Welcome to This is Type 1, real life type 1 diabetes with your hosts, Colleen and Jesse. I'm Colleen Mitchell, and I've had type 1 diabetes for over 24 years. By day, I'm a process analyst in the power industry, and by night, I'm a writer, podcast host, and accountability coach. I'm passionate about type 1 diabetes education and showing others that this disease doesn't define me. I'm Jesse Tuggy, and I've had type 1 diabetes for about eight years now. I love hiking and painting, and I'm looking forward to working as an engineer after college. My diagnosis has inspired me to take control of my future and learn everything I can about it. Each week on the show, we'll talk about real life with type 1 diabetes, bring on cool people with connections to type 1, and above all, encourage you to understand that this disease doesn't have to hold you back. This isn't medical advice. This is life with type 1. Welcome to episode 36 of This is Type 1, real life type 1 diabetes with your hosts, Colleen and Jesse. Today, we're chatting with Lonnie Stormo, founder of Pops Diabetes Care, a company that developed a simple all-in-one meter that connects wirelessly to an app on a phone, showing weekly and monthly trends at the touch of a button. Pops was founded with the intent of putting simple technology in people's hands to enable them to own their life. A quick reminder for everybody, if you have any questions about type 1 diabetes or about the show, please leave us a comment or send an email to colleen at inspiredforward.com. We answer listener questions in future episodes. I'm up for the win of the week. For the most part, working from home, I've noticed that my blood sugars have been a lot more in range than when I go into the office. I don't know if that's correlation or causation, but I'm really happy with having good numbers. Jesse, you're up for the fail. Yes, I am. And so being at home makes you want to do a lot of baking because this is one thing I can control in my life when everything in my life seems to be out of control. I'm specifically talking about the coronavirus right now, and since we're all locked in our houses at the moment, you know, it's it's a little tough. So I ate about 50 carbs and muffins over the last two days, but luckily I did do about eight miles over those two days. So hopefully it kind of balances out just a little bit. And then Colleen, what's your lovely hack this week? The hack this week is super simple, which is don't put too much insulin in your reservoir. I know that I like putting more than I need in just because I think I don't want to run out, but then I'm on day four of the set and the insulin isn't working as well as it should, and I have a lot left. So make sure you only put enough insulin in to last three days with maybe just a tiny bit extra in case of a high usage day. And the best way to estimate how much you should actually put in your reservoir is by finding your three-day average and, or your seven-day average and then putting three times that into your reservoir. All right, let's get into the conversation with Lonnie. So welcome to the show. It's good to have you on, Lonnie. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So how did you hear about this podcast? Well, I actually have a fantastic brand director and marketing manager who understands this stuff much, much more than I do. And she introduced it to me uh, as we were looking at ways to get our message out. And it's very cool. I've listened to several of your episodes. So you're doing a great job. Thank you. So give us the rundown of who you are and the role that diabetes plays in your life. Sure. So first of all, for me, I'm uh, much further along in my career. I spent 30 years at Medtronic um, in a variety of roles. Medtronic's the biggest medical device manufacturer in the world. Uh, many people with type 1 know them from their CGM and their insulin pumps. But you know, I never worked in the diabetes space when I was at Medtronic. I always worked in the cardiovascular space. Um, and that's partly because I had no direct connection with diabetes when I started working at Medtronic 30 years ago, because I didn't have diabetes at the time either. So I actually have adult onset type 1 diabetes, which is a little bit more rare, but definitely still happens. And I uh, got that in my 30s as I was, you know, halfway through my career at Medtronic and 
you know, for me, then diabetes is a bit different than a lot of people with type one, because I haven't lived with it, you know, the majority of my life. And I didn't have to deal with, you know, I think more of the challenging childhood years and, and teenage years of living with diabetes. So for me, it was something that I, you know, adopted to um, as I was continuing to live my adult life and made it work for me. But, uh, you know, that's kind of, you know, a bit of my story in terms of kind of where I came from and how I got diabetes. What was your diagnosis actually like? Like what happened leading up to it and what was that story? Well, so interesting for me, as maybe a lot of people with diabetes, I didn't really recognize the symptoms that I was having had anything to do with diabetes. And I was a very active person. So I'm a runner. I like to run road races and things like that. And I started getting cramps in my legs all the time, which was unusual. And I couldn't figure out why I was getting cramps in my legs. And so that was really bothering me. But of course, I ignored it and just said, oh, it'll go away. And then one day I was sitting in a meeting at Medtronic and I leaned over to the person that was beside me as we were looking at the presentation up on the, uh, the screen up in front of the room. And I said, is that blurry? And she said, she kind of joked and she goes, no, you need glasses. And I'm like, wow, that's really weird. And so I went to the eye doctor and lo and behold, the eye doctor said, your eyes are great. I don't know what's wrong. So I thought, okay, well, how can that be? And so went two more days, went back to the eye doctor because I'm like, I can't see right. And the eye doctor said, wow, you need to go to the emergency room. You know, your eyes were good two days ago and now they're different. They're changing too rapidly. I think you have diabetes, which of course for me was just like completely shock out of the blue. And so I went to the emergency room and sure enough, I had diabetes and that's how I found out about it. So it was crazy. So there's no family history? There's no family history. Oh, that's I, always I, uh, fun. <laughs> it's always fun when you're the yeah. first in the family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and of course, you know, my mother at the time, even though I'm an adult, still very much worried about me. And I can't even imagine if I was a child and got diabetes, how she would have dealt with it. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, what are your favorite things about having it? You know, I can't honestly say. I mean, it's a it's a, a condition you have to deal with, right? I don't actually say disease very often, but it's a condition you have to deal with. And so I'm not sure I have a favorite thing about it, but I will say that my wife has told me after having it now for 20 years that you're probably healthier now because of having diabetes diagnosed 20 years ago than if you wouldn't have had diabetes because, you know, I, I still keep very good shape, you know, and I still stay very active. I find that's one of the best things I can do to control my blood sugars. And so just because of those things, my wife thinks diabetes actually put you in a better spot than you would have been if you would have just kind of lived out your normal middle-aged life. <laughs> awesome. And on the flip side, what's your least favorite thing? Least favorite thing is probably the same as everybody else in terms of you know, there, there's still that disruption to your life, you know, I mean, I think we all deal with that. Um, anybody that has diabetes, whether it's, you know, feeling like you have to pull out, you know, for me, I use multiple daily injections, and I, you know, pull out a syringe, not a syringe, but the pen, you know, if I'm out to dinner with people, and I don't really want to do that in front of everybody. And it's not that I'm ashamed of my diabetes, I just don't want it to be how I'm defined. And so therefore, I don't want the next five minutes of conversation to be about diabetes and so forth. So that, that disruption, kind of the hassle factor that goes along with, you know, dealing with it on a daily basis. It's interesting you say that because you have a company for diabetes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> We've actually started for that reason. <laughs> yeah. So you, you're on multiple daily injections and do you wear a CGM or do you use your own product exclusively? Yeah. So, you know, just going back and looking over time, 
I've over time have come to the conclusion that I don't really want to wear a device. You know, for me, it just doesn't work. So I've tried CGMs twice, two different brands, and just decided I didn't, you know, although the main thing that drove me to want to use a CGM was, uh, again, that I'm runner and bike and stuff. And I would like to know what my you know, blood sugars are while I'm being active. And with the test kit that I had as my alternative, I just never was going to carry that with me. And so I basically didn't know which never felt great to me, you know, but I just couldn't, couldn't deal with wearing a CGM. I just didn't want to ha- deal with the hassle of it. And likewise, I didn't like the insulin pumps. And so today I use multiple daily injections with a pen, two different types of pens, obviously. And, you know, for me, that works because what I tell people all the time is I can give myself eight injections in a day, which is probably what I kind of average in about two minutes. And that means another 23 hours and 58 minutes, I don't have to wear anything. I don't have to deal with this. And while I understand, again, that some people can benefit from having that very constant rate, I don't just need that to manage my diabetes. And so it works for me. And from a measurement perspective, yeah, I've now switched over over the last two years that POPs has been available to using POPs exclusively to look at my blood sugars and manage my blood sugars. Okay. What diet have you found works best considering you're, you're athletic and, and all of that? Yeah, I don't have any specific special diet. I mean, I, again, just as somebody that cares about my weight, cares about my health, how I feel in general, I've always used a pretty centered diet, I guess. You know, I, I, I try not to eat too much. You know, I would like to try to say that I do intermittent fasting. And if people haven't tried that, they should, you know, check it out. And, you know, sometimes people think, even my wife says, you can't do intermittent fasting. You're, you have diabetes. And I'm like, I can do it just as well as anybody else can do it. I just need to adjust my insulin levels appropriately. And so people shouldn't kind of wave those things off because they, because they think they have this condition that doesn't allow them to do that. So obviously I try to watch my carbs more for my weight probably than my diabetes. And then, uh, you know, just eat a really, you know, balanced kind of diet. And uh, that along with exercise for me, you know, really helps me, you know, stay in control of my blood sugars. I, I love sweets. I really do. I always have since I was a little kid and my whole family does. You know, so that's always a tough one. But you know, as we all know, if we've lived with diabetes for a while, you can have sweets. You just need to do it appropriately, right? I mean, not indulge in it to the point where it doesn't make sense for anybody, whether you have diabetes or not. And if you do it, to adjust your insulins appropriately. And so you know, as long as you do those kinds of things, I think you're okay. Yeah, I actually lost my taste for sweets. Oh, really? It's, yeah. I've been on low carb for so long that even having one roll of Smarties, if I don't like rinse my mouth out with water afterwards, it just, oh, it's a bad wow. taste in my mouth. I wish I got to that point. <laughs> I know. I, I, can't, I can't do milk chocolate. I can barely even do dark chocolate anymore. I mean, if I pass a, a plate of donuts in the office, I can smell the sugar and I'm like, bye. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's really interesting. I, I, I haven't heard that from anybody specifically with diabetes. I don't know how common that is, but uh, I, I unfortunately am not to that point yet. It also might have to do with how carb sensitive I am. I've noticed that the fewer carbs I do eat when I have carbs, my number responds so fast. So I don't actually need a lot of carbs in my diet for it to work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, which is good. Yeah. So something that we ask all of our guests is, what does burnout mean to you? And if, if you've experienced burnout, what, do you, what have you found helps, helps you manage it and get out of it? What advice do you have for diabetics feeling burnt out? So I don't know if I've had like a really bad case of burnout. I, I of course, also come to the point where, you know, some days I'm just like, you know what, I'm just not going to pay as much attention to it today. You know, it's a little bit of a, a weekend kind of feel, right? It's like, okay, it's Sunday. I'm just not going to deal with it as much today. 
obviously keep yourself safe, but you know, you're just not, you know, not going to pay quite as much attention. But other than that, I haven't really had, you know, like a big time burnout where I need to take like a vacation away from diabetes. I've heard people talk about that and so forth. So, you know, for me, I think it is about the mental state you go into it with, you know, often whether it's diabetes or something else that is, you know, causing you a lot of anxiety and stress. What I think that tends to be is people that for whatever circumstances, I don't find any negative in the statement I'm going to say is they get too focused on the two feet of space around them, you know, so it's just them and it's all about them. And so then this becomes a really big deal. And now I don't know how to deal with it. And the biggest thing I say to people all the time, whether I'm at work or in my family, et cetera, or even to myself is get perspective, right? Which means back out of that two feet of space around your own body and look at the bigger perspective, what's, what's going on in the world and your life and, you know, just all the things that are happening. And all of a sudden you're having to deal with not eating that sweet or taking a shot or wearing a CGM, whatever you choose to do, isn't that big of a deal anymore. And so to me, it's about having perspective. That's a really good point. I like getting out of my own head and having someone else kind of show me what's going on. I get a lot of self-coaching and actual coaching work done. And that's one of the biggest benefits is having someone else show you what you're thinking when you can't see yourself. Yeah. No, I, I mean, and that's another way of saying like what I was saying about out of getting out of that two feet of space around you is getting out of your own head a little bit. Yep. Yeah. So you've been diagnosed for 20 years or so. Is that correct? Yep. 20 years. What are some of the major changes you've seen since your diagnosis to now? Like, how is the landscape in diabetes management changing in terms of maybe insulin therapies, uh, diet, life expectancy, general expectations that people have of type 1 diabetics? That's a great question because I'll start off from the big picture and then kind of come down a little bit more narrow. And from a big picture perspective, I think that there's a lot more understanding and acceptance in the world and in the industry that having type 1 diabetes doesn't mean that you, you know, have a life issue or a life expectancy issue or that you can't deal with things. Even with the COVID-19 that's going on right now, you know, at first everybody comes out and says, well, if you're at higher risk, if you have this and this and diabetes. And I was thrilled that JDRF put on their website just recently, and I think other people have said it too, but I, I know I just read that yesterday, is you're not at higher risk if you can control your blood sugars. And so I think the world is starting to understand a little bit more that having diabetes doesn't mean you're a sick person and you can't do what you want to do. It just means it's a thing you need to deal with. Just like some people need to deal with being a little overweight or some people need to deal with back pain or something. It's just another thing we need to deal with. And so that acceptance, I think, has happened a lot over the last 20 years as opposed to when people first found out that I had diabetes, you know, I think everybody thought I was going to die. You know, so I think that's good. And, and part of that is because the industry has come a long ways and insulins work really well. And, you know, when I first started using insulin with the syringe and vials, and uh, that was a real pain in the butt. And, you know, the first people that came out with the, the pens, you know, to me, that made my life so much easier. And that's probably why I still don't use an insulin pump. If I was back to syringe and vials, I would probably then go on an insulin pump. You know, so things like that have just, you know, cut down that disruption that we talked about earlier. Actually, on the other side of things, you know, working in the healthcare industry and in the technology company specifically, and as an electrical engineer by background, I'm a real, you know, tech nut, right? And so for years, while I was working in the cardiovascular space myself, I'm kind of watching all the industry 
and wondering when is something going to come out that's going to allow me to replace that zip up test kit that was sitting in my bathroom all the time while I was out living my life. And I was, you know, the Gluco watch was something that was exciting and everybody thought it was going to be. And I was like, oh, I'm going to be the first one to buy one. And I tried to figure out how to buy one. This is kind of, I think, even before you could buy stuff online like that. And, uh, you know, it ended up flaming out and not working and so forth. And so nothing happened. And so what was amazing to me is I saw the consumerism of healthcare going on and we're all carrying around these really powerful computers that we like to call phones. And I said, how come we're not changing the way that I'm managing my blood sugars? And so I didn't want to wear a CGM. Remember, I tried that a couple of times and I didn't want to do that. So why I left Medtronic five years ago was because I wanted to accelerate that. And essentially our vision for POPs when we started it was to flip healthcare on its head and basically say, I don't need to be managed as a patient by a physician or a diabetes educator. I want to own my own condition, own my own life. And we want to give people the technology to do that. And so what POPs was really started for was to replace that zip up test kit so you could test your blood sugar while you're living your life and then give you Mina, your virtual coach, to help you manage your condition while you're living your life. And, and really, that wasn't changing fast enough for me, that part of it. And so that's why I left Medtronic to uh, go start POPs um, along with two other founders because we wanted to make that happen. So since we're kind of jumping forward a little bit then, what, what's the actual origin story of POPs? Like what happened? Where were you when this idea popped into your brain for putting a tester kit on the back of your phone? <laughs> well, so again, my own personal needs of wanting to like check my blood sugar when I was running down the side of a road and, and not wear a CGM, you know, was really what was driving me around that. And then, as I mentioned, when I was working at Medtronic and working in the connected care space and wondering when are we going to move from telehealth, which is, you know, essentially healthcare professionals of some sort remotely being connected to and managing patients to people actually using these powerful phones to help manage themselves. And it was those two things that really, you know, drove us. And when um, I go fishing annually with uh, my two brother-in-laws who happen to be engineers also and have worked in the medical field for a number of years, and we were at a lake in northern Minnesota, sitting in a little area of the lake called Birch Narrows. And for me, it started to become clear while I was sitting there in that fishing boat, what we needed to do. And I brought it up to them. And I, I said, I think we can change this. I think we can do this differently and enable people like me to live a more complete life that way. And they said they're in. And so we started it and we have been running ever since. So we've hinted at it a little bit, but can you give our listeners an idea of what actually the system is? So what is involved with having this thing on the back of your phone and like, what is it? Yeah. So the, the platform, I would actually start inside the phone as opposed to outside the phone. And so the platform is based around a virtual coach who we call Mina. So Mina is an AI virtual coach that is with you as long as you have your phone with you, which let's face it, we all have our phones with us pretty much constantly now. <laughs> so what we wanted to do after talking to hundreds of people in focus groups was to not continue the digital health trend that's out there today of live coaches being connected to your meter kit or to your CGM, because a lot of people told us that feels really invasive, like somebody's watching me all the time. and and we even heard stories about how people are shutting off the connectivity in those devices and stuff because they don't want the live coach connected to them. And the other thing we heard on the other side was that 
all these people wanted to use apps. Actually, the data that we published at a American Diabetes Association study was 90% of people said they wanted to use an app, but only 10% were actually doing it. And we said, well, gosh, how can there possibly be this big gap between what people want to do and what they're actually doing? And really, when you dug a little bit deeper with these focus groups, it was because the apps are just too much. There's too much burden. They, as I always say, they don't give as much benefit as they give burden. And so then people are always going to turn that thing off. And so with Mina, it's a digital coach. There are no live coaches at Pops. Nobody's watching you and going to call you because of, you know, what you're doing. Mina might react to you, but people are much more comfortable with that coming through the phone. And Mina's doing what we call light coaching. So she is not going to be constantly pestering you and throwing messages at you to kind of, hey, uh, tell me what you ate for dinner, you know, and all these different things. So she's got kind of a longer term look because we basically say managing diabetes is a marathon, not a sprint. So we want to stay engaged with you over the long haul. So she is um, looking at how motivated you are to manage your diabetes, making some judgments about that, and then pushing you harder if you're motivated and pushing you less if you're not motivated, because we realize not everybody's the same. And that changes over time, right? I mean, just like you said, with burnout and so forth. So, so Mina basically is giving you that kind of advice, everything from, if I'm out of my blood sugar goal too often, Mina will say to me, hey, Lonnie, it looks like you're struggling with your goal. Let's open it up by 10%. And if I hit okay, my goal opens up. And then as I start to hit my goal, then she'll be going, awesome, great job, I earn points and I get to the next levels, et cetera. And then she says, Lonnie, you're doing fantastic. Let's tighten up your goal by 2%, you know, or whatever number again she thinks is right for me. And in that way, she's basically encouraging me, one, to, you know, get a goal that makes sense for me based on where I'm at in my life right now. And then through encouragement kind of coming through my phone, she's then encouraging me to do even more, do better, you know, um, and a variety of things like that. She'll do things outside of blood sugar too, like reminding me to get my eyes checked, you know, things that are important for all people with diabetes to do. So that's Mina. Now we can put a variety of things around Mina, but what we paired with her today to get out there to help people immediately is this device that you were mentioning earlier that I can measure my blood sugar with. It's about two thirds the size of a cell phone. It's fully integrated. And so all I have to do is uh, open up the cover and it Bluetooth connects right to my phone, right to Mina. And then there's a new type of Landsat built in there. And then I place the blood drop without any assembly. There's no test strips that you have to handle and no lancing tools or anything like that. And I close the cover and I get my result on my phone. So it's all really, really simple. In fact, you could see a video on our website as an example where a person is, they don't even stop walking and they take the blood sugar measurement. You know, something you could never do with those test kits. So that's the device that goes along with it. Can, can you rewind and, and explain how you don't use a Lancet to get the blood? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I said it's a different type of Lancet. And so what we did was this was actually one of the key things that came out of this fishing trip that I talked about earlier was this brainstorm about changing Lancing. So as everybody probably listening knows, you, you know, today in a lancing tool, you load a lancet, and it's basically pushing a lancet into a spring inside this plastic tool, right? Well, when you put that lancet inside a spring, it is vibrating around as you lance yourself. In fact, uh, we have high-speed camera video showing a lancet coming out of the lancing tool and how much it vibrates around when it's doing that. That's what causes it to be painful. And so we basically said, we can change that. We can do this differently. So what we do in our patent that we have around this is we call it stationary lancing. So the lancet is held in a very stationary platform. And instead, what we do is we turn around and put the spring on the finger. 
and so, you know, with that, we did a study after that was developed that we published at the Diabetes Technology Society, and 93% of people said it hurts much less or less than their traditional lancing tool. And so by just pressing down, you essentially get a drop of blood that you can place then very easily. That is amazing. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it, it, like, it actually is super cool. And it's one of the key things that makes this the form factor that it is that you don't have to have this separate tool. And we essentially wanted to take away the pains of using those test kits. So we took away the size of it. The, the, as I mentioned, the device is about two thirds the size of a cell phone. So it gives you a sense of how small it is. Uh, take away any of the assembly that you have to do. So you don't have to do vials of test strips and lancing and tools and all that kind of stuff. We take away the pain of changing the lancet, which obviously, you know, people are very, very poor at doing. So you because don't have every to time you do this, you get a brand new lancet, you oh. know, with our system. And that's key to the pain too, by the way, because people keep reusing the lancets and it gets duller and duller and duller every time. And which yep. means you're basically starting to push like a fish hook through your finger. And, and so of course that hurts. So I encourage people, even if you don't use pops, to change your lens set more often. And then the, the design that I mentioned takes away the pain. And then, you know, the fact that it's just all integrated and then Bluetooth right to your phone. In fact, the Bluetooth that we have to the phone is one of the simplest Bluetooths you'll ever see. We just basically took away the hassle factors of measuring blood sugar. Is it compatible with all phones? It is. Yeah. So Android and iPhone and, and from an Android perspective, any of the major models of Androids that are available. Okay. How would that integrate into a system where somebody's already using a CGM? Right. So today it does not integrate directly with your CGM. You know, we hope that that's something that we can do in the future as we continue to grow and get, you know, a broader you know, user base. And also uh, the CGM companies, you know, want to work with us at that point in time. Sometimes these CGM companies have specific relationships with a specific type of meter and so forth. So, but there is a connectivity part to this also beyond the CGM. And that is that you can share this information with your physician or your you know, family members or caregivers through the system that's built in. And so right in the app, you just go in and you click on people I share with. And I, for instance, I share with two different people. I share with my physician and I can talk a little bit more about that experience and kind of how he sees that versus what I was doing before. And also I share with my wife. And so she is my support system, my caregiver. She could go with that and set a lot of different things up and look at all my data and so forth, but she doesn't want to do all that. <laughs> so she basically goes in and sets an alert. And so if I ever check my blood sugar and it's less than 60, she gets a notification on her phone. So okay. she's kind of my safety net of my blood sugar getting too low. And then she'll ultimately call me and say, hey, are you okay? You're not driving, are you? You know, are you eating something? So I have that kind of live safety net in addition to my virtual coach. Cool. So do you focus more on type 1 diabetics or type 2 diabetics? And is there like a certain age group that use, that use it? Yeah. So what we always say is that the best people for utilizing our system are people that should be actively managing their diabetes every day. So I tend to define that as type 1, type 2 on insulin, and maybe some type 2 that are on oral drugs. So out of the total diabetes spectrum, that may be about half of the total diabetes spectrum that really should be actively managing their condition every day and be able to utilize the type of device we have along with Mina, the virtual coaching. And, uh, you know, as I've mentioned, I'm a type one. Sometimes I divide type one into kind of intense type one, the people that really do, you know, get huge benefit from wearing a CGM and an insulin pump and connected systems and stuff like that. 
And then I don't know how much, you know, our system would be valuable to those people. Now, if they're still verifying their CGM with a test kit, then our, I can tell you our solution is a lot simpler than that if you just want to verify a CGM. But if you really rely on your CGM and you're okay with that, then we're probably not the right solution for you. Oh, and then you asked about age groups also, which I didn't really mention. And, you know, again, from a business model perspective, which we haven't really talked about, but uh, we tend to focus on kind of working age and their dependents. And so that kind of puts us in a, you know, 65 and below, you know, type of age group. Of course, to use something like this, because it's based on centered through your cell phone and, and, you know, the app on your cell phone and so forth, it needs to be somebody that wants to use technology to help them in their, you know, management of their condition. And so, you know, we, we don't say a specific age, otherwise I'd be worried I'd cut myself out if, <laughs> if we went too high. But, uh, you know, anybody that's uh, relatively tech savvy can use the POP system very easily. So are you seeing a lot of younger diabetics using it with help from their parents? Yeah. So I would say right now in our actual commercial users, probably the youngest person is 10 years old and still using their own cell phone at that point in time. We did, you know, we've had conversations with people where, you know, parents have said, well, if my younger child used this, I would probably just put it on my phone and, and utilize it. And, and because I'm with my child all the time or, you know, with their daycare provider and so forth, I should mention as part of that, the device doesn't have to be attached to the phone. We often, you know, show it that way. It's a Bluetooth connection to your phone. So, you know, if the device stayed with the child, you know, then whoever has the app could connect to this device and get the results from the, from the device and so forth. But yeah, actually one of the favorite stories I like to tell is a 17 year old that is now on a frame in our office. So, and the reason that started was because when we opened our office after I left Medtronic four and a half years ago, we hung a blank picture frame up on the wall and we said the first person's life we change, we're going to put in that picture frame and remind us of why we're doing what we're doing. Because of course we're a business, but what we are really in business for and why we left Medtronic was to make people's lives with you know, diabetes better. And so in the first clinical study we ran, his name is Andreas, first person that finished the clinical trials, A1C came down by one and a half points. And that's about as life-changing as you can get. And so when he was filming a video for us uh, to do some testimonial, I told him about this picture frame and I said, Andreas, I would love for you to, you know, be okay with putting your picture, you know, in our frame. And so today, if you walked in our office, the first thing you see is Andreas's picture hanging there with a little note under there about how we changed his life. And that's really what POPs is all about is enabling people with diabetes to live better. Awesome. What sets POPs diabetes care apart from other digital health startups? So we think we're quite different, as you can imagine. And we're really different in two ways. All the other digital health startups that are out there are really focused on what we call telehealth, which is connecting live coaches of some sort to a test kit or to a CGM. And so the way we're different from those companies in, is in two ways. So first of all, we do not have any live coaches at POPs. We have Mina, your virtual coach, who is an AI-driven virtual coach. And uh, for the person who wants a live coach, then there's other companies that are out there. But there's many, many people who are much more comfortable getting that feedback and coaching and encouragement from this AI coach right in their phone. And that's what we give them. And then the other thing is, for the majority of people, as you guys probably know, it's like 97% of people with diabetes in the United States 
still use the standard test kit, not a CGM. Well, that standard test kit is what we replace with our device, which if I slid them up in front of you here today, our device is a fifth the size of you know, the standard test kit. And uh, there's no assembly needed as we talked about earlier. It's less painful. It's just, you know, I can, I can you know, be walking out of a movie theater or walking into a meeting, never even stop. Nobody will even know what I'm doing and I'll get my blood sugar measurement, which I can never do with the test kits that these other companies offer. So we've essentially changed the game for people with diabetes compared to the other digital health companies in two ways. One is we make it that much easier just to know your blood sugar anytime, anywhere. And we give you Mina, your virtual coach, instead of a live connected coach. I imagine that being able to test your blood sugar that efficiently would help a lot for people who are like long haul drivers. That just, yeah, absolutely. That just occurred to uh, me. Like I, yeah. I have tried to test my blood sugar while driving and it is really hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't encourage you to do that, no, even I, with our system. <laughs> I don't encourage it. But I mean, if you do have like one of those like dash mounted phones, then you could probably just put your finger to the back of it while it's up there and it'll just take your blood sugar. Yeah, so I will say not while driving, but while stopped at a stoplight, I have the, used yes. the pop system. <laughs> okay. and, uh, and, and, and if your phone was mounted on that, that mount, like I said, I have mine attached to my phone with a magnet so I can remove it all the time. So I could attach my phone to the mount and then still have my device sitting in a coffee cup holder beside me. And it's very, very quick. I mean, literally in less than 10 seconds, as I'm sitting at a stoplight, I could pull my device out, check my blood sugar, and it goes to my phone, and I see the result just like I'm seeing my maps, you know? So, yep, very easy. That's awesome. So what does it mean that you call your people owners, and why do you call them that? That's something we started in the company also early on. We basically, it came a little bit from my own personal philosophy. As I mentioned earlier, you know, when I developed my diabetes I didn't want to be defined by diabetes. I didn't want to be a diabetic. I hate that word, you know, because I'm not a diabetic. I'm a person. And, you know, yeah, I'm managing diabetes, but, you know, for the person that's wearing glasses, are they a glass wearer? I mean, they're not. I mean, they're a person and they just happen to wear glasses. So why do we get, you know, this thing about calling people diabetics or patients because they have this condition? So, you know, we early on said, you know, we are not going to use the word patient. We're not going to use the word diabetics in our company. And so as we were trying to figure out kind of, okay, so what are we going to call people who sign up and use the POP system? What we really resonated around is our tagline. Our tagline is own your life. Because as I mentioned, we wanted to flip healthcare on its head and not let somebody else take care of you, not let your disease define you, but instead own your own life. And so we said, well, what's better than, than calling them owners? Uh, we don't want them to be a member of POPs. We don't want them to be a participant of POPs. That's what these other digital health companies call people that, you know, start using their system. You know, you're not part of our club because you start using POPs. What you are is you're owning your life. So you're an owner. I like that. It sounds like you guys are really focused on the consumer experience. It is. I, I'd actually say that's what defines us in our culture compared to other companies. And that is because that's the way we started. We basically said, you know, one of our mantras as uh, myself and the other founders were developing the first systems was... We've had all had a really high bar created by consumer experience companies like Amazon and Apple and Google. And that's what we expect in our healthcare also. And what the healthcare industry has often missed is reaching that same bar of consumer experience. And so we said we want everything we do to be more of a consumer experience. 
And so whether it's signing up for our system or using our system, we always think about that. So when somebody actually wants to use Pops now, all they have to do is download the app and register and the welcome kit shows up at their doorstep. So just like another consumer experience that you would expect. So no physicians, no pharmacies, none of that. And you don't have to worry about, you know, insurance, the IDs and cards and things. And when you get that welcome kit at your doorstep, it's going to look completely different than any other medical experience you've ever had, I guarantee you. And, and that's part of the experience that we're trying to create. And hopefully that comes across in our brand and our website in the you know, social media stuff we do is, is we want to be and look like a typical consumer experience. And it's covered by insurance, right? Well, so yes, I mean, I, I say that in general because as we go out and continue to get more and more commercialized, what you have to do as a company like us is you have to get the insurance companies to sign you up as part of their plan. And that's what we're actively you know, out there doing. And so we have signed up multiple health plans. So I can say yes to your question if you're part of the insurance plans that we're signed up with. Um, but that is our goal, obviously, is to get more and more covered by typical insurance. And then if you are, the way we've been successful so far in signing up is for zero copay. So then you can start using the POP system uh, with no copayment. And when you need more of the test modules, you know, the test modules that snap in so that you can test yourself and then unsnap it and put a new one in, Mina will say, hey, it looks like you need more modules. And uh, you hit OK. And those show up at your doorstep, too, a couple days later. And again, all that's part of the service. There's no payment for that. You, you know. We had one person testing 12 times a day, you know, and, and that's awesome. I mean, actually, it's probably over testing, but I mean, it's awesome if she wants to do that. And, and we don't charge more for that. What led to the base of, you know, very consumer experience rather than going about this as a typical medical company where they're more focused on, like, I guess the office side of it? What made you guys like try to stand out into being different like that? Well, two things I would really say is first, driven from my belief that the consumerism of healthcare is going to change healthcare dramatically over the next 10 years. I think it's already started to change healthcare. I mean, from the first time somebody could, you know, enter their symptoms into Google and get a you know, reasonable response, the consumerism of healthcare started. And now you see the explosions of, you know, the use of phones in managing healthcare, the apps and so forth, the wearables that everybody has out there. And my belief is over the next 15 years, what we will see is the same thing we saw happen in the travel industry, happen in the healthcare industry. And what I mean by the travel industry is just like you can go jump in a stranger's car on the street and have them safely take you to a destination and be able to pay for it, technology enabled that to happen. So it was the democratization of, of travel that happened because of companies like Uber and Lyft. So I think the same thing's gonna happen in healthcare. Today, we can only think of healthcare like licensed physicians in a clinic, and I have to go sit in a waiting room and wait for them to come tell me, okay, now I'll see you. I was like, where else does that happen in the consumer world? It doesn't. And so people need to start thinking about healthcare differently, where healthcare to me in the future, 15 years from now, and we're not there today yet, but healthcare in the future will be, Mina will be your physician in your phone giving you your prescription, and then your prescription shows up at your doorstep. You know, this whole idea of going to a clinic for, you know, people 15 years from now will look strange. Now, of course, there's things that Mina or another virtual physician are never going to do for you, right? I mean, if you break your leg, you need to go into a clinic or a doctor, right? So just like the banking industry, which has become very virtual today, there's still brick and mortar banks that people have to go to when they need to go to a bank. And the same will be true in the healthcare industry. 
All right, very cool. That was, that was really interesting. Thank you for answering that. I, I was wondering that. Why is diabetes the leading cost in chronic healthcare? So today in the U.S., I'll just use U.S. numbers, 60% of Americans have some type of chronic condition. Another reason, by the way, we shouldn't call those people patients because I don't think 60% of Americans consider themselves to be a patient. They're people. But those chronic conditions are actually costing 75% of all the healthcare dollars that are spent in the United States today. And diabetes is the number one of those. And often because there's been so much focus on things like cost of insulin and so forth, which are very valid things for us to be focused on, those are not what costs a person with diabetes to be on a high cost. What really is it costs is the, un the uncontrolled diabetes. And so, you know, using real numbers for a second, in the U.S., the latest data that's out is that annual cost of a person with diabetes is $16,000 of healthcare spend versus a person without diabetes is about $4,400, so about $12,000 difference between the two. And that doesn't have to be true if you control your diabetes because 75% of that $16,000 is actually complications that come from poorly controlled diabetes. And so, you know, really what this is about is having better control of diabetes brings down the cost of diabetes. And so all the things that we're doing and other companies in this space are doing is all about enabling people to better control their condition. And then that will bring down the cost of diabetes. And, you know, when we see one point drop in A1C, we say that could be $2,000 less annually spend on healthcare because we've just gotten better control of diabetes. So you did mention the price of insulin. What is your thoughts on the price of insulin right now? Well, I think it's much more complicated than a lot of people like to imagine that it is uh, because the whole supply chain from manufacturer through the pharmacy benefit manager, who a lot of people forget about that in the supply chain, you know, to the pharmacies and then you know, to the consumer is more difficult than a lot of people think. So without getting into all of that in my own you know, political beliefs around some of the things that are probably being mismanaged in that area, it's a shame right now that people can't manage their diabetes better because of the cost of medications. I mean, I would say that about other conditions outside of diabetes also. The best thing we can do in healthcare is enable people to actually manage their condition. And so I'll just bring it down to the real personal level and, and kind of stay out of the whole you know, political level and say, I cannot believe it when I have to call my pharmacy or call my doctor to beg for a renewal of my insulin level because I'm like, really, do you just want me to quit taking insulin now and go from a really well-controlled person to a not-controlled person and you think you're saving healthcare dollars because of that? That's insane. So what we need to do is enable people to be able to purchase the medications that they need to better manage their condition. And I think it's short-sighted on whoever in that supply chain is keeping the price levels too high because in the end, what we're doing is just hurting ourselves and hurting the healthcare system. So what is the legacy that you would like to see when people think of POPs in your company? So I'd like people to see POPs as the most consumer-oriented company that's out there. You kind of brought that up earlier, and, and uh, I'm glad that you bring it up. And I'm glad that you see that because what we want to be is the company that enables more people to actually manage their condition while they live their life. I hate when people say they can't do something because they have diabetes. That's not true. What we need to do is give people the tools to allow them to do whatever they want to do while they manage their diabetes. And if people see, anybody sees POPs as a tool that allows them to more, you know, enable them to live their life while they manage their diabetes, 
then that's success. And I'm excited about that. Well, if 97% of people are using meters and not CGMs, then that is a great market. <laughs> <laughs> it absolutely is. <laughs> So as we record this, we're all kind of in the middle of a lockdown for COVID-19. We're wondering how has, how has the COVID-19 pandemic affected your business so far? So in two ways. One way is certainly right now, while all the companies and, and health plans and medical systems are adjusting to this kind of new reality, you know, they, they are trying to figure out everything else they have to do and not necessarily focused on kind of signing up a new diabetes, you know, solution to help, you know, people with diabetes. And so, you know, that's certainly in the last couple of weeks has slowed down conversations. But on the other side, I actually think that some people are starting to realize already as we have conversations with them, and it's certainly where we're coming from too, that this is a great opportunity for things like digital health and virtual health that we're doing. Because, you know, the last thing that people want to do right now is go into a clinic. I don't want to go into a clinic. And so if I can better manage my condition by having Mina giving me some coaching while I'm just there doing my thing and, and I'm at home, you know, I got my device with me. I can check my blood sugar very easily. This is the type of solution that people need right now. And so what we did along that lines is last week, we said to people, we're going to make Mina available to help you manage your condition because you're stuck in your home. You don't want to go to the clinic and so forth. And so we're making Mina more widely available as a persona to help coach you through this condition, even if you're not signed up for the POP service. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you for doing that for your, for your clients and your customers. Yeah, I know. We wanted to step up and do something too. I mean, again, we're very people focused. We're very focused on the mission of, you know, helping people with diabetes live a complete life. And, uh, you know, this is something that we felt like we could do very quickly. And so now, whether you look, look at social media from Facebook or LinkedIn or Twitter, Instagram, there's uh, messages out there where people can sign up for this Mina coaching and, you know, she's doing kind of daily coaching today through those different platforms. Cool. So I noticed on your website, and we talked about this before we started recording, that there are on your team, a Hufflepuff, a Ravenclaw, and a Slytherin, or there's multiple yes. Hufflepuffs, multiple Ravenclaws, and a Slytherin. So are you a Hufflepuff, a Ravenclaw, or a Slytherin? And why are there no Gryffindors on your team? <laughs> it's an interesting question. So we have a brand director who is in love with uh, the Harry Potter series. And so she makes every new person that starts at our company take the quiz and find out which house you're in. So we, and we all have a little pin at our desk, you know, of which house we're in. So that comes up every once in a while, like Christmas parties and things like this. So, so yes, I'm a Hufflepuff. And when you ask me, why, why do we have Hufflepuffs and why am I one? So I'd like to guess I'd say it comes from our Minnesota culture, you know, so we're a Midwest company. And uh, we kind of feel like we have this culture. You may have heard the term before, Minnesota nice. So we're all nice to each other and we're polite and we're hardworking and we basically just dig in and do our thing and, and help other people do their thing. But you know, maybe that's where the Hufflepuff thing comes from. I'm not sure. I'm not sure why there's not any Gryffindorf yet. You know, I would like to think there's some brave, courageous people at our company. I, I would like to think I'm brave and courageous for leaving my career at Medtronic and starting Pops. But for some reason, our Minnesota nice takes over, I guess. Well, that's pretty cool. I saw that on your website as well. I, I want to say that I'm a Gryffindor here and feel a little underrepresented, but you know. <laughs> well, well, maybe you work at Pops. <laughs> hey, I wouldn't mind. You guys sound like a great company and everything. 
Okay, so along the lines of diabetes and your diabetes, what is your favorite cherished memory about being diabetic or, you know, not being a patient of diabetes, but, you know, controlling your diabetes? So I, I, I will actually say my, my favorite story is conquering diabetes, right? And so, and I, and I can express that story in a couple of different ways. But when I say I don't want diabetes to own anybody's life, I want them to own their diabetes. That kind of starts with my own personal belief and how I think about diabetes. And so, as I mentioned earlier, I'm a runner and I like to run. And I've had the absolute honor through my business travels and, and also personal travels of being able to travel around the world a lot. And so I've you know, kept track of how many countries I've run in and continents and so forth. And I've been able to run now on six of the seven continents and in multiple countries on top of that. And that to me is owning my own life and not letting diabetes own me. And the fact that now I can you know, take the POP solution with me and makes my wife feel much better about that, right? If she's not with me, and she knows that I can stop and check my blood sugar anytime and make sure I'm taking care of myself. And she has connectivity to what I'm doing. It just makes her feel more comfortable with me being able to own my life. But that's an example of diabetes not owning me. And so, you know, it's those kinds of things that I would say, my cherished memory is not of diabetes. My cherished memory is of me conquering my diabetes. Does your trip to Patagonia have anything to do with that? Well, that would probably be another one of my favorite stories around that. But, uh, you know, that's an interesting, it's an interesting dichotomy because the reason I wrote that story was because when you're making that hike into basically all you see as far as you can possibly see is wilderness. And on top of that, you know, you're in a country that doesn't speak English and it's not the most forgiving. It wasn't less like a pleasant hike either. You know, this was a, a difficult, one of the most difficult hikes I ever did. And the weather was not you know great. But when I got halfway into that and I'm looking both ways literally down in this valley as far as I can see and thinking oh my god I am really on my own here and that is when having diabetes makes you a little nervous because I knew I could physically do it but I didn't know if my blood sugars would drop too far and that's what made me nervous and I am just carrying whatever I have in my backpack is what I have and that's a little just you know and, and and so that frustrates me in having diabetes the fact that I even have to think about that but if you go into it prepared, and then, you know, again, I'll kind of point back to our particular solution. I was actually able to check my blood sugar multiple times, you know, through that very easily, again, without ever having to stop walking and so forth. And so I always knew what my blood sugar was. And so therefore I could control it. And the fact that I made it through this most difficult thing that I've ever done in my life, quite honestly, and having diabetes and knowing that I did it with our POP solution, just made me feel on top of the world. And so it is probably one of the most fantastic memories I have, of both POPs and also conquering my own diabetes. Very cool. So knowing what you know now, what do you think you might have done differently when you were first diagnosed? I think probably even in the first few years that I had diabetes, I took it more as a sickness and, you know, something that I had to deal with and, you know, the burden of it and all of that. And I, you know, now having owned it for a number of years, I know that it doesn't have to own me. And I would just encourage anybody who, who gets diagnosed or is still in those first few years of, oh, no, I have diabetes, poor me, to turn your mindset around. It definitely doesn't have to be that. 
and it's something that you can deal with, you know, and you just need to take, take the mindset that you're just going to, you know, own it and take care of it. So speaking of traveling um, and going to Patagonia and all these amazing countries, do you have any tips for traveling with diabetes outside of the country specifically? Always bring more than you need that you think you need. You know, I will uh, specifically cite a trip that I made not too long ago to Australia. And I ended up being there twice as long as I thought I was going to be. It was a business trip. And, um, I always take, you know, I, I've mentioned several times I use, I use MDI right now. And so I always take not only the pins I think I need, but then additional pins on top of that. I've actually had, I don't know if anybody's had this problem, but uh, over the years I've had two or three of those pins where the shaft kind of breaks off or, or doesn't, you know, work right. And all of a sudden I can't use that pen anymore. And uh, if that was the only one I had, I'd be super panicked if I was in another country. So, you know, I always take twice as much of what I think I need, both in terms of the insulin, as well as the glucose pills, as well as the whatever you use to test. For me, it's the POPs modules. And uh, that way I know I'm always covered. It's a little bit of a hassle to carry that extra stuff with you, but that's my biggest tip I would say has been successful for me. Well, very cool. And then do you have any questions for us about like the show, about, you know, what we do outside of this or anything like that? Well, I, I, what I would most love to know is, you know, what people say about your show and have, do they learn from your show and are they feeling like they're more connected as a person with diabetes by listening to your show? Well, usually our, our guests are the biggest indicator of that because you all seem to know who we are, <laughs> but we've only ever gotten one review and we keep asking for reviews. So if you're listening right now, go leave us a review. Please. And um, I've told multiple people in my life about this and I've given the card out to people and they all give really good feedback in, in person to me, but not through comments on the, the website or reviews on iTunes. Yeah, I've got yeah. about the same. So people hear about it and they love to listen. It's just, we get feedback more in person than we do online. I think one thing is we've all been so overwhelmed with all the technology that we have available to us. I mean, it's fantastic. It makes our life easier, but we don't have time to go in and give feedback on it all the time, right? I mean, how many times does a review thing pop up and you skip it? Go on. So all yeah, we time. need to take more time. I hope yeah. I was that. All the time. I, I yeah, don't exactly. leave reviews. <laughs> <laughs> I should. I should leave more reviews. I have reviewed a couple podcasts, so it's not like yeah. I review nothing. <laughs> there you go. Setting a well, good example. I'll go in and give a review on your podcast too, because I mentioned I listened to a few episodes and it, I loved it. You guys Thank do a great you. job. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. <laughs> oh, very cool. Well, okay. So where do you see Pops going in the future? Do you guys plan on releasing any more different or new technologies or do you see yourself expanding at all? Yeah. So, you know, when we started, we certainly had a big vision that we're not to yet. And what we wanted to do was come out with something that we thought could help people immediately and obviously that we could make a business out of. And by giving Mina Plus our, our device, to, you know, we call it the Pops Rebel. I shouldn't just keep saying our device, Pops Rebel, and which is our personality in general. We want to shake things up and change the way people are managing their condition. That's, that, that is something we're going to continue to get out and commercialize and make more broadly available through insurance plans and so forth, as we talked about earlier. But beyond there, what we see ourselves doing is building into that big vision of what I talked about earlier, which is the full democratization of healthcare. And, you know, we want to be one of the leaders in making that happen. And so we'll continue to evolve our platform to move more and more towards that direction. What advice do you have for the young diabetics out there? Don't let it own you. 
You know, I've talked to a lot of people with diabetes in, in my job in the last five years, you know, that I've been doing POPs now. And there are a lot of people that are frustrated with it. There are a lot of people who ignore it. And that's not what I mean by don't let it own you is ignore it because it eventually will own you if, if you do ignore it. You just need to make it a part of your life. I think first reaction of people wanting to do it, and it was probably my reaction when I first was diagnosed also, was I just don't want to deal with this. You know, this is not, you know, I'm busy. I, I have a life to live. I'm doing other things. I just don't want to deal with this. But the complications that can come back from totally ignoring it are things that you don't want to deal with in the future. And it may seem like those things are a long ways away. But speaking as a person who's in the second half of my life, not the first half of your life, those things aren't so far away. <laughs> so it's better just to own it now and make it a part of your life than ignore it. And it really will become easier once you just figure out the right way for you to, to own it. Are there any new projects that you and your team are working on that you guys are really excited about getting out there yet or not at the moment? I would say making Mina smarter and smarter. So what we get excited about is having Mina and the personality that she has become more real to people. And, you know, we've all seen virtual assistants become much smarter over time. And often, sometimes when I'm first introducing Pops to, you know, a group of people or an investor, whoever it might be, sometimes the way I start out is Siri and Alexa, meet Mina, right? So we want Mina to be seen as that same type of virtual assistants, but for diabetes. And we're excited about making her a better and better assistant for people. Awesome. And final question. If our listeners want to connect with you or find out more about the POP system, where can they find you online? So you can find us all over, but specifically our website is popsdiabetes.com. So popsdiabetes.com. And uh, you can sign up there to stay in touch with us as well as to get the Mina coaching tips that I was mentioning that we're giving out as part of the COVID response right now. Importantly for people with COVID, you know, people with diabetes don't have to be a higher risk. It's just uncontrolled diabetes. And so control it and you're in better shape. But we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter. You can follow me specifically on Twitter at, at Lonnie Stormo, just like my name sounds. And if you're also interested in, in me professionally on LinkedIn, just search for me. I would, I would love to connect with you. Thank you so much for being on. No, thank you for having me. It was a fun conversation and uh, enjoyed uh, getting to know the two of you and would love for people that are listening to you to know more about Pops. You know, go ahead and search for us. So our question for you, our lovely audience this week is, is the POP system something that you would find useful to have on the back of your phone? Let us know in the comments or by sending us an email. That's it for this episode of This is Type 1. Thank you so much to Lonnie Stormo for coming on as a guest to the show. You can find Lonnie online at popsdiabetes.com or on Instagram and Twitter at Lonnie Stormo, just how it sounds. He's also invited you to connect with him on LinkedIn. You can find the show notes at inspiredforward.com slash episode 36. That's the number 36. And if you have an idea for an upcoming episode, please leave us a comment or send an email. This is the perfect time to learn how to manage your mind. If you're stressed, burned out, overwhelmed, and want some help getting back on track and honoring your commitments to yourself, sign up for accountability coaching at inspiredforward.com slash coaching. You can get straight to our podcast page by going to thisistype1.com. Our music is by Joseph McDade, and our audio wizard is my husband, Tim. I'm on all social media as at Inspired Forward, and our email is Colleen at InspiredForward.com. And I'm on Instagram as at JJ underscore Crystal K-A-T. Please feel free to send me questions or comments you have about type 1 diabetes or about the show. I've got plenty of time on my hands.
Thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends, family, and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts since that really helps other people find us. And be sure to listen in next week when we talk about the glycemic index and glycemic load and why it's important to understand how both affect our blood sugars whenever we eat. Remember, you control your diabetes. It doesn't control you. Hey, if you like what you're listening to on this podcast, you have to join us in the Half Dead Pancreas Club. It's my private community where you'll connect face-to-face with other people with type 1 diabetes, get personalized emotional support, and learn how to handle anything T1D throws at you. Join us over at inspiredforward.com community. I can't wait to see you there.